Welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this very basement, which is full of snakes playing cursed bingo, a lamp that used to be a human grandma, and a shadow creature who is bad at doing his taxes. <laughs> I'm Roxy Polk. And I'm Mikey McCaller. Mikey, let's start out uh, like we always do with the uh, scariest things that happened to us this week. So what went down in your life outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your very core? Ooh, I'll tell you, Roxy. I had a solid victory and then a solid defeat. I okay paid off one of my student loans the first time I've ever done that. That's absolutely amazing. I'm very proud I- of you. I I'm threw fifteen hundred. They they wanted two thousand dollars to pay it off, and I said I'll give you fifteen hundred. And he said fine. And so I was like, great, we're done. And then I was like, cool, I got five hundred dollars. And then my car broke down, and you know what the total repair bill was? What was it? Fifteen hundred dollars, Roxy. <laughs> it feels like cosmically, if I get a victory, I will immediately have it followed by a defeat. It, like the exact same one to one. It seems like I know. <laughs> It's like, oh, if I save somebody's life by pushing them out of the way of a car, then cosmically, I will get hit by a car. It's sort of how I'm feeling going into the next few months of my life. Unfair. Well, that's unfortunate, but at least you don't have that giant monkey on your back with the student loan. So, hey, that's a... Uh... Oh, there is almost nothing I wouldn't do to get rid of my student loans. <laughs> same I would same get hit here. by a car every couple of weeks <laughs> i would get rid of my student loans i'm laughing but i'd probably do the exact same thing if i could get rid of mine so yeah you get it yeah i Roxy, get it what happened to you this week i i had a i got spooked by a spider mikey <laughs> yeah? let me let me tell you the spider scare i had i was lying in bed on my phone playing some dumb game you know about to go to bed roll over to go turn off my light and uh my sheets and like bedding is very light colored so mm-hmm. I see a very <laughs> stark black spider crawl out from under my bed sheets up to try and like go up to my pillow. So I fucking sprang off my bed, ripped everything off because I didn't want it climbing in my pillow. And I was like, okay, I got to go get something to squish it with ASAP. So I went, I got like some wadded up toilet paper. And when I came back, it was not there. I don't know where it went. <laughs> I couldn't find it. It was like 2 a.m. I was freaked out. I couldn't sleep in my bed that night. I slept on the couch. No. That bed's got to go. Roxy, you know the scariest part of this? What? He probably went back to recruit others. No. (laughs) Sick of it. I just couldn't stop thinking of- He'll come back with his strength tenfold. Did you ever watch that movie Arachnophobia? I would never watch that movie. Okay. Uh, So when I was a kid, I saw just brief glimpses of part of the end of that movie, which had spiders living inside of people. And I just- that freaked me out so much as a kid, just like my mind doing backflips, because when I actually watched the movie like a couple years ago, it was not quite as scary <laughs> and not quite as ominous as I thought. Well, wait, the spiders are like living inside of people, like piloting them, like the Power Rangers did a Megazord? Kind of like they're, they're corpses living inside their corpses. I can't remember exactly what mm. what the case was, but they're living inside yeah, people either way. And it, I was like, I don't want that thing crawling up my nose or in my ear. I can't, I can't handle it. I gotta sleep on the couch. <laughs> Yeah, no, that is scary. Yeah, so that was the scariest thing that happened to me this week. Oh, God. Here he is. He's here. 
Mikey and Roxy, this week, you were challenged to watch the 1978 film Halloween directed by John Carpenter and starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance. Did you complete your assignment or are your souls forfeit? Yes, I did, yeah. Then you may keep your souls. Woo! All right. Keeping our souls. <laughs> For now. Uh, he got us. He every got time, us every Mikey. time. Yeah. He got us. <laughs> sick of it. Uh, yeah. Last so you, let's talk Halloween. I would love, I would absolutely love to talk Halloween, Mikey. This movie is a lot of fun. And uh, I forgot that it was technically a 70s movie, honestly. I always thought, like, in my brain, it was an 80s movie this whole time. That's wrong. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's very much a 70s movie in my mind. I was surprised it was so late in the 70s. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I guess yeah. it's, like, right at the well, end. Why? 78. <laughs> hey, let's you and me recap the plot quick for anybody who hasn't seen it. Let's do that. All right. Uh, in 1963, Halloween night in Hattonfield, Illinois, uh, six-year-old Michael Myers stabs his teenage sister to death. He's then incarcerated in a sanitarium for 15 years. Dr. Loomis, who has been Michael's psychiatrist for years, arrives on Halloween night in 1978 to pick him up for a hearing to decide his fate. Only to find out that Michael Myers has escaped. Loomis follows Michael's trail of terror, which starts with him killing a mechanic for his overalls, stealing his sister's tombstone, breaking in to local stores for a mask, and then returning back to his childhood home. Unbeknownst to high school student Lori Strode, who drops off a key to the old Myers place because her father is the realtor of the property, she has become the new object of Michael's obsession. Myers stalks Lori throughout her day. She sees him multiple times and isn't sure why he's following her. Her friends, of course, don't believe her that she's being stalked and laugh it off, because that's what friends do, apparently. Uh, meanwhile, Tommy, the young boy Lori is babysitting that night, also runs into Michael at his school. And Michael stalks the boy as well. No doubt, Lori and this boy remind him of him and his own sister back in 1963. That night, Lori is babysitting Tommy while her friend is babysitting a girl across the street. Michael scopes out that friend across the street, kills the family dog, and watches as that friend leaves her young charge with Lori so she can hang out with her friends and party down. She then gets in the car to pick up her boyfriend, Paul, and that's when Michael strikes, killing her. Unbeknownst to the two friends who were coming over to party, they're walking into a bloodbath. They drink <laughs> beer, have sex, and then when the guy is going to get even more beer... Michael Myers slays him in the kitchen. He then decides to don a sheet with eye holes cut into it and pretend to be a ghost to prank the lady. <laughs> <laughs> he goes upstairs, spooks her, and kills her. Uh, but not before she tries to call Lori to ask about the other missing friend. Sadly, she dies before she can say anything substantial to Lori. Lori thinks her friend is pranking her with the call, but as she is observant, she knows that something is wrong. Lori then goes over and discovers her three dead friends and the tombstone of Judith Myers. At that point, Michael Myers attacks and injures Lori, but she manages to escape the house and run away. Unfortunately, her fall causes her to lose the keys to Tommy's place. As Lori runs through the street, none of her neighbors will help her as she screams for them to let her in or offer any sort of help. Eventually, she's able to wake up Tommy by throwing rocks at his window, and he lets her inside just in time. Tommy notes that he saw the boogeyman following Lori out of his window. Quickly, she hides the children and gets ready for Myers, who is determined to break into the house. Meanwhile, Loomis knows there's a disturbance in the area and is investigating for signs of Michael. Michael Myers sneaks into the house, but Lori is ready. 
She stabs him with a knitting needle. Thinking he's dead, Lori drops her guard, only to find out that he is not dead. And goddammit, once you know it, Lori is on the run again. She hides in a closet, and then Michael Myers finds her. But she, of course, stabs him in the eye with a coat hanger. And when he drops his knife, Lori picks it up and stabs him with his own knife. Lori goes to the kids and tells them to run to the neighbors and call the police. Loomis sees the kids running and now knows the specific location Michael is in. He rushes there. Lori has been faked out twice, and once you know it, it happens a third time. Michael is still <laughs> not dead. The two of them grapple for the knife, and she rips off his mask, which causes him to pause his attack as he puts it back on. This gives Loomis the opening he needs to shoot Michael Myers so many times that he falls off the balcony and onto the ground below. Lori asks Loomis if that was the boogeyman, and Lewis confirms that he was indeed. However, as the camera pans back, Michael's body is missing. He isn't dead. In fact, he could be anywhere. And Roxy? Mikey? Anywhere includes this scary basement. Wouldn't you know it? Here he is joining us for this episode, our boy himself, Michael Myers. He was so quiet, I didn't even see him back there. Michael, what'd you think? Watching this movie back, did you uh, have any second thoughts about what you were doing to Lori and the teens as you were stalking them? Mikey, he's just standing there. I don't think you're going to get an answer out of him. It's just what he does. Yeah, going to be honest, uh, for our first guest on the podcast, Michael Myers, kind of a letdown. Not a lot to say. I mean, he's got that name star power, you know, but uh, I know he's not known for his witty retorts or anything. That's true. Robert De Niro, famously a terrible guest on The Tonight Show because he knew he didn't have to do anything to impress anybody. He's Robert De Niro. <laughs> Michael, would you say you're the Robert De Niro of horror movies? All right, oh. shut up. Okay, he seems a little more emphatic that time. I think he might have pissed him off. I don't know. I keep talking I, to him over about it. this. Honestly, I don't care about him anymore. Roxy, <laughs> what did you think of this movie? Halloween. Uh, this movie is great. It's probably my favorite slasher movie, for sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, super fun. It's like a huge landmark film as well. And it was like essentially an indie production when they made it, too. It was like made on a shoestring budget. They were doing all kinds of stuff to like save money. I didn't have that feeling that it was like a low budget indie movie until the very last scene in the house, like upstairs, that lighting has a lot. It's got a lot of like student film lighting. Like you mm. can tell that like they're just using whatever lamps they had to like <laughs> pointed at people. Like it's got the, that was the moment when I started seeing more shadows on the walls than uh, I'm used to in films. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is a movie that they are piecing together, which uh, you, you're very right, makes the rest of the movie that much more impressive, that they are getting these like really effective shocks out of Michael Myers. It's like really haunting. Yeah. It's a very good movie. It's real great. I am not a fan of what this movie seems to be saying. Okay. And what... I think this is a very anti-sex movie, and it's very much a movie that is credited with starting the trend that, like, if you have sex in a slasher movie, you get killed. And I can see why. Like, it so, is very much 
a movie about killing people for sex. So you're saying that, but I was actually just listening back to episode three, and we had this exact same discussion about this. So I remember having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it, it feels like it's establishing that trope, but like that was not the intent. That doesn't mean that that doesn't end up coming across because that's what a lot of people took away from it. But it was supposed to be more like those teens are kind of more into each other. They're not really thinking about the fact that there could mm. be a threat. Whereas Lori is the one who is taking care of children. You know, she's supposed to have a watchful eye. That's kind of like what she's doing. So she's like primed to expect that, especially because she's been stalked the whole time. So she's already on alert. Whereas her friends don't take her seriously. So I think it was just supposed to be more like Lori is a little more aware of the world than her friends are. And they've just they're distracted hanging out with each other. Not so much that sex is bad, more like they were too busy to notice, I guess. And I've definitely heard that before. And I remember talking with you about it Mm -hmm. as I was watching it this time. It was like, this movie opens with a scene, not opens, but like very early in the movie, there's a scene where Lori is sitting in class. And they're talking about fate. They're talking about this oncoming fate that no matter what happens, these events are going to happen to you. Hmm. And as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, there's no clearer like source for authorial intent than fate, right? Because Lori's fate as a character created by a screenwriter is being decided by that screenwriter, right? Yeah, this is true. And so I'm watching this movie and literally every character who gets killed has sex while they're having sex just after having sex lori her only trait separating her from her friends is that she doesn't have sex so i'm watching this movie and i'm like well what's the difference like why is fate choosing these people because i think fate is like a really interesting way to frame michael myers he is this cold emotionless force that is just like strolling through the world and killing people that as he sees fit he very clearly has an anti-sex something going on he kills his sister right after sex he kills all these people when they are going to have sex please explain what about his sister she's just naked because she's getting dressed after like a shower or something oh no she had sex with her boyfriend how do you know that because they went upstairs and he was like, hey, baby, let's go do this thing. And then they went upstairs for a minute and then he left and she was naked. They definitely was- had sex. Okay. Well, what about the guy who was the delivery driver, mechanic guy that he killed? Like that guy wasn't. And then the friend who Which was guy? going to get her boyfriend, the first kill of the movie, who was the guy who he oh, stole the, the overalls from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was off put. <laughs> he was just <laughs> wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> and then the uh, the friend who gets killed first, she's she got is going some- to have sex. I mean, she's going to pick up her boyfriend. Maybe they are going to. You don't know that. Michael probably doesn't even know she's going to pick up her boyfriend. She just gets in but a that, car. That even that even makes it a more clear, like, authorial intent question as opposed to Michael Myers' question. Like, all of these characters who are getting killed are going to have sex. And if well, it he's was still just going like, after Lori, though, who, like, hasn't. It's more like he becomes she, obsessed with Lori, and then these are people in the orbit, with the exception of the... Uh, repairman who was just like in his way like it was a means to I, an I end i think there's i think there's less evidence that michael myers has a sex thing but i don't think it can be ignored that his original crime was to kill a sister for having sex and then kill a bunch of people who had sex um but that maybe like he's six years old like, does he even understand what it is i guess like the whole thing is no, he doesn't even know why he did it i guess it's he's definitely to- like transplanting his sister i think you even referenced it he's he's transplanting his sister and 
her boyfriend onto these people that he's killing because he like they are making they are reminding him of them uh like i remember in high school having an english teacher who told us um i feel like i might have even referenced it on this show before um (laughs) i had a teacher who talked about like some author who wrote a scene in a book and it was between a man and a woman and they were on a boat together like on a lake and there's just like so much dialogue that makes it seem like they have sex and it's just like really obvious that it's like either a sexual scene that either they're like about to have sex and then stop or they just have sex and they don't show it she talks about um my my english teacher rather met this author at like a convention and said like so that big scene where they're clearly about to have sex and then it cuts away uh do they have sex and the author is just like what do you mean i didn't realize they were going to have sex there was nothing sexual about that scene at all and she was like yo you were talking about sex and then obviously this author's like sexual history comes out and of course he's like a weird sex guy Mm, the point is like authors like i've definitely heard this explanation before about this movie that like it's oh it's not about sex it's not about uh making a judgment about it and it's like if john carpenter doesn't think that he is making a judgment on sex that is coming out in this movie one way or the other because it's like if this movie is about fate and the only people who survive are Laurie and I mean I guess Dr. Loomis but like the only people who survive are the people who the clearest distinction between her and her friends is that she is rejecting sex in the favor of traditional suburban values that women were expected to have in those 70s guarding children learning about like being in school like doing like these responsible things so that she can live this traditional suburban lifestyle i really and didn't get that happens from to Lori. she's someone who is studying to get out of there is what it felt like to me so she's got a greater purpose she doesn't want to be stuck in this small town suburban life she's focusing all of her money on studying and saving up money for babysitting so she can get out so she can probably go to college i would assume oh that's interesting i didn't get any vibes do they talk about that at all that they talk about how she's like a great student and everything and kind of like how she doesn't seem to fit in with yeah the neighborhood and stuff so that's what i kind of assume that that was part of it is me assuming and then part of it is like reading some things from the context clues so like i can't say for sure (laughs) but it it read more to me that she didn't fit in with it especially when there is the scene where she's screaming for her neighbors to help her and nobody will help her it shows Mm. like how how far removed she is and how much she doesn't fit into kind of like the traditional suburban lifestyle there, especially because mm. I think I, for me, this touched more on suburban kind of complac- complacency and how you don't even know your own neighbors and kind of how like evil can come from anywhere. It can be the six year old kid down the street who decided to like murder his sister mm. uh, because evil can happen anywhere, even in a place where you're supposed to feel safe. Um, yeah, no, uh, we're, we're kind of getting into it now. So maybe we just switch over to this. The big idea of the movie. Yeah. I think there is a lot of like suburban fears. I think there's a lot of poking at the idea that you go to the suburbs to be safe. Yeah. And then there is a literally a cop who is hanging out with Dr. Loomis throughout the entire movie. Who's just like completely. We don't <laughs> we don't have killers here. <laughs> we're yeah. the suburbs. This is where people go to relax. Like, Annie, the like, friend, is the daughter of the cop, and he he right. blames the break-in on kids. And she has a line where she's like, you always blame it on kids. Like, he's literally mm. not even in his headscape to think about anything other than, like, what you were talking about, which is just, like, mm-hmm. crime doesn't happen here. 
Right. Yeah. There is very much this like, we are a safe place and God bless us. And then he <laughs> even says like to Loomis, which is very funny. Loomis is a very put upon character. <laughs> he says to Loomis, he's like, God damn you for letting him get here. <laughs> and it's like, Loomis is like, ah, I did everything. I, don't, I wanted him to be in jail. I told him forever that he <laughs> yeah. was an evil person. I went to the governor. I told him a little boy was evil. I looked insane, but I was trying to stop this. They're like, God damn you. God damn you for doing this. It can't be my fault for not protecting people or having anything in check to like. There is something it. so funny to me about him going to like whatever tribunal he has to go to and just being like, this little boy is pure evil. And they're like, he wore a cute clown costume. I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> like what, 21? What? Like, I didn't he even. He needs to be put in the trash compactor from Star Wars. <laughs> he needs to be smushed and gone away forever. <laughs> I mean, that would probably be the only thing that would kill him. You can stab him a bunch of times. You can poke his eye out. You can shoot him. He can fall from a great height and he don't die. <laughs> you probably need that trash so let's, compactor. Let's tease this out a little bit because I think there is like, maybe not necessarily a critique of suburban life, but to me, it just feels so clear that they are saying Michael Myers is fate. Michael Myers is an oncoming train that there is nothing you can do to get out of. And I kept reading it as the only thing that is separating Lori from her friends is that she cares more about watching these children than going to have sex with her boyfriend. Like, this movie started that trope because it sure feels judgmental of everybody who is having sex or thinking about having sex and, well, like, pursuing sex. Okay, as opposed you're- to Lori, who's, like, specifically saying, like, no, there's this boy, Ben Tramer, that her her friend keeps trying to set her up with, and she's like... You have to disengage me from this. I have to not be involved in sexual intercourse. Please disengage me from sexual intercourse. So you're focusing a lot on the sexual intercourse aspect. And I think if you want to break it down, it's more about being responsible versus frivolous, which is these teens just kind of like being teens doing whatever. You know, they're doing things that teens do. Uh, They're Mm. kind of having fun in the fact that they're kids, you know, that can just kind of mess around, hang out drink beer, whatever, if their parents aren't watching. But Lori is being responsible and looking after these kids. I, I guess I would agree with that if they would if they were doing different kinds of frivolity. Like if there was well, one drinking, person who was just like and like the way that the, the way that the, like if there was one Annie guy is, who was just drinking and he got killed, or if there was one guy who's like just playing video games and ignoring kids, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. Okay, well let me give you some more examples then. Lori is thinking ahead okay. to get pumpkin carving for Tommy. So she's thinking mm-hmm. like, hey, I'll get an activity for the kid that is also themed around the holiday that'll be fun. Meanwhile, her mm-hmm. friend is just like, Why are you even bothering to put in that effort? Just like put him in front of the TV, whatever. So she's also mm, kind of, like, showing her frivolity and, like, lack of responsibility and, like, not taking her job seriously, not really thinking about the kid she's looking after, um, and, like, the parents that she is being paid by to look after the kid. You know, I'd say that's a pretty good example of, like, something non-sex related that they're just being, you know, not very responsible about. That's true. And then they also don't believe Lori when she's like, I'm being stalked. You're my friends. You're supposed to believe me. And they're just, nah, Lori, you're just imagining things. So they're like also not taking their friends seriously. So they're just like shitty friends. That's true. <laughs> and like she leaves her kid, the the first girl who dies, Annie, she leaves the kid she's supposed to be looking after with Lori. So like literally doubling Lori's work just so she can go fuck off and see her boyfriend. 
mm-hmm. whether they get up to shenanigans or not, who knows. But the, the fact of the matter is that she is shirking her entire responsibility and putting it onto her friend. Yeah. I definitely see, like, if it hadn't happened three times with the three female victims, that they were all focused only two. on sex when they were getting killed. No, there's the Jude- the sister and then the oh, two friends. Oh, yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, the sister. So the I sister feel like I need to rewatch is- that intro. I just remember the sister being on her, or at her little desk. So, like, the opening scene, it had her with her boyfriend or something, you said? Well, they, like, go upstairs and she's fully clothed. And then a beat happens, and then the guy leaves, okay. and he's, like, smirking. And then he goes upstairs, and she's just in her underwear. Yeah. Uh, so, like, if – it's, again, it just feels like it's three times. Like, that's enough to establish a pattern of, like, the three women who are killed in this movie are all driven mostly by sex. And Lori significantly, like, through this Ben Tramer plot is like, I hate sex. I'm scared of it. you got to stop it. And she's the only one who fate decides to spare it's just like, I don't know. That yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it that this is why this movie is looked at as starting this trend. And I'm not stoked about it. I definitely I wrote down here, I called this movie um Madonna Horror Complex, the movie. Hmm. Like like Lori is the Madonna. She is like responsible in every aspect. And then there's just a, a bunch of ladies who are focused so much on sex that they they have to get killed. What else could happen to them? I don't think I agree specifically with all of that, but I can definitely see, like, how you got there. And I think you're definitely, like, making valid points for it as yeah, well. Yeah, I rule it points. <laughs> sure, sure you do. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back some more, why don't you? <laughs> I am the best at points. <laughs> but I think it can also be saying different things, and it can also just be coming from, like, your personal perspective of what you read into it as well. Very much so, um, yeah. I was just thinking about... um this stupid graphic that is like going around online where it's like a lot of people think that like art is made that like an artist has an intention and they put out their creativity and it like drives into the mind of the subject. And that's how artistic intent happens. And it's like, no, it's really about the artist has the artist. I said it like a fancy. (laughs) We're in an art gallery. The artist has his intention. We're fancy people. Mm -hmm. The artist has his intention and they put out ideas that are half formed that they're like trying to say and they're communicating through varying levels of abstraction and counterpoints and and success and failure, like just failing at trying to communicate. And then we all are watching these films or looking at these paintings or listening to these podcasts and taking our own emotions and our own biases and reflecting them differently. So the fact that I came away with something very different than what you came away with, and it sounds like is very different than what the artist himself was intending to do, means we're all right. <laughs> we all <laughs> we all got our own, we're all correct responses. I just felt like as I was watching this movie for the second time in you know a couple months, we watched it Together on uh, one of your Discord streams, I feel like, not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, I think ago. it was probably around Halloween last time. And that's why sure. we were thinking about this idea, like, we both had, like, engaged in this idea that, like, poor John Carpenter had accidentally started a trope where women who have sex get killed in movies. He's like, no, it's just distraction. And then I was rewatching it, and I was like, 
No, you're giving us a little more. <laughs> you're giving us a little also, more that led us there. Like as trappings of the genre, it's supposed to be kind of like something that gets your pulse racing is terror and also sex. So it's kind of having those things go hand in hand to get a reaction out of the audience, like at a more basic, baser kind of level, not talking about like metaphors or whatever. So I think that's why that's that a great gets point. chosen a lot of times too, just like as an aesthetic choice and maybe, you know... <laughs> gets interpreted mm-hmm. that way but no you're right that that is a if, if you're doing a movie that's designed to make your audience get excited like sex is one way to do that and running away from a monster is another way to do yeah that. you're right like i can the, see why those two genre got tied together yeah and being naked and vulnerable and being attacked with by anybody you know like that's way more scary than being like fully clothed and being attacked as well oh yeah <laughs> doing a speech like it is very scary <laughs> You I know, haven't been nude since I was 12 and watched Friday the 13th Part 5 for the first time. Yeah, you're a never nude. We we know this about you. It's in the wiki about you, Mikey. <laughs> Not even a never nude, but a fully clothed dirt. Like, I mm, sleep mm-hmm. in jeans and boots and a tactical vest. <laughs> I've never so seen I, you without that vest. It makes a lot more sense now. You know. Yeah, it's full of... Uh, ammunition and uh those little uh pop rocker exploders like you throw them on the ground they go like <laughs> just so i can throw like distractions whenever i need to okay yeah Roxy, <laughs> i have a question for you okay what what you got we've all dressed up for halloween poor michael myers dresses up as a little clown boy <laughs> very cute uh what is your least favorite halloween costume Okay, so this this Halloween costume was my least favorite, more so because of the uh, event that surrounded it and not so much the costume itself. Mm. So it was this full body suit costume thing of like a ghost. Uh, I don't know why it like zipped <laughs> up. It had like these drapey arms with like little wispy things. Wait, it wasn't like what Michael Myers wears in this movie where it's just like a sheet over you with holes? No, it, it was like kind of like a suit. <laughs> Child size. Like form fitting. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't know, maybe maybe in fourth grade or younger, somewhere somewhere around there, I think. But so since it was a cheaply made Halloween costume, the uh, zipper broke and I couldn't get out of it after the mm. night ended. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like at a friend's house. I think the two of us, we were like eating candy, like in their basement. I was just like freaking out because I couldn't get it off. Well, I get, didn't get to eat the candy because I was in the fucking suit. So I was trying to take the suit mm-hmm. off to eat the candy. <laughs> Uh, so I had to be cut out of it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that costume could never be and this, reused. And this was months later, right? When uh, you yes, yes. Wore, this is my life. ghost costume that you couldn't get out? <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was my worst, least favorite <laughs> Halloween costume. What about you, Mikey? I think my least favorite Halloween costume was from the same time. It was fourth or fifth grade. Okay. And Power Rangers were in this weird space where they were very popular but they weren't, like, mainstream accepted. Oh, shit. So I remember my best friend, Tyler, and I went, he was the Green Ranger and I was the Red Ranger. All right. And we were both just mercilessly made, mercilessly made fun of. What? What the fuck? Yeah. Kids were like, he dressed up as Power Rangers. And I just remember feeling so much shame for liking Power Rangers. That I sucks. I love the Red Ranger so much. That's not and fair. Horrible children. <laughs> I grew up in Minnesota, very close to the town of Anoka. Okay. Which is, this is real, the Halloween capital of the world. What? Yes. How have I never Anoka, heard of Minnesota, this before? I don't know. How what, uh, How are they the Halloween capital in the world? That's a huge, like, boast for them to make. I need to I know. know why. 
there's, I remember seeing like a play about it in ninth grade. I think the ultimate answer is that they just like early on requested like, hey, can we be the official Halloween capital of the world? And the federal government was just like, sure, nobody else has asked. What? So Anoka, Minnesota does have it. They have Halloween stores year round. And that's, I think, the oh my only God, difference. I need to look this. I'm writing this down. You should. Looking this up as you're speaking. Okay, sorry. Keep going. And, but because of this, they have a giant Halloween parade every year. And my school and everybody else's school would walk in it. And it's just Holy all these shit. kids in costumes. And so I had to walk in my red Power Rangers outfit, full of shame, sad, upset. Oh, no, Mikey. As everybody laughed at me now looking back on it nobody laughed at me there's probably like two or three kids who like made fun of me but like i internalized it as it was everybody so then it was yeah. like now you have to walk <laughs> now you have to show off oh, your shame no. for everybody i may as well have been nude <laughs> for what i thought the people were laughing at me for it was real bad Especially when you're a kid, like, that kind of stuff always hits way harder. It always seems like a much bigger deal. It seems like the world is completely ending from that. So, I'm sorry, little Mikey. You were ahead of the curve, like, in Power Rangers. They're cool as shit. Let's never talk about it again. Roxy, how <laughs> likely would you say the events of the film Halloween 1978 are to happen in the real world on a scale of 1 to 9 because 10 does not exist in the scary basement? Uh, suburban killer with a knife? That's gonna be a nine for me. You're gonna say nine? Yeah, nine. Suburban knife killer. Uh, big threat in big suburbia. I said a seven. Okay. Because the idea that a doctor working within the public health system would be invested in any case to this level, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not buying it. <laughs> He's not getting paid enough for this. I didn't even think of it from that angle, yep. Yeah. <laughs> He's a personal vendetta, I guess. He really does. Like, Loomis is such an interesting character because he's so just funny. like, he's so great. You can uh -huh. tell that, Every like, his entire life, no matter what happens, it's like, hey, Loomis, did you watch that fucking Rams game? The fucking Rams won. And he's just like, the Rams are a terrible football team. <laughs> it's like, dude, just have fun. Like... They will never win the Super Bowl with Jared Goff as quarterback. It's like, yeah, but they got a really fun offense this year, don't you think? He's like, I do not think their offense is fun. I do not think any offense is fun. I think that wins and losses are what's important in the game of football. <laughs> or I'll just be like, football's beneath me. I'm not even going to comment on it. You <laughs> plebeians can be happy with your sport ball game. I'll be over here studying yeah. Michael Myers' Dude. psychology. <laughs> Loomis, we invited you over to watch the game. Can you have fun? Why do you not have healthy options to serve at your football game? <laughs> I cannot eat the wings a for a tenth time. You had it Could last I time. Have I'm sick of a it. A piece of celery with peanut butter and raisins. <laughs> no lone object of that is full of saturated fat like your wings and ranch. Dude, you gotta get out of here. <laughs> you gotta go yeah, home. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we won't invite him to parties anymore. He's not great. <laughs> Have you ever been to a party where somebody just in the middle of it was just like, you gotta not be here anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been that is a thing that has that. happened to Loomis numerous <laughs> times. He just doesn't know how to connect with people. It's, it's a real <laughs> tragedy, Mikey. It is time to collect your souls. I mean, it is time to collect your bets. Roxy, last week we made a bet. Sure did. A classic bet. How many people get killed in Halloween? 
We're looking for a kill count. You said four. No. I'm sorry. I take it back. Cut that. <laughs> I said four. You said five. Yep, yep. The actual answer, would you believe it, is five. Woohoo! I win! Michael Myers kills Judith Myers. Uh-huh. He kills a mechanic. Uh-huh. He kills Annie. Uh-huh. He kills uh the, the sex dude. Couple. I'm gonna name his <laughs> Brian I'm I'm gonna say it's Brian. And then he kills uh the other sex lady. I'm gonna assume her name is Shelly. I don't remember. <laughs> Brian Shelly. But the answer is five. And he doesn't die at the end, so he doesn't even count. Yeah, I know. He just escapes. He gets he gets out scot-free. Roxy, are you ready to peer into the mirror of realities and see who from the universe of Halloween fate has decided we are to speak with today? Yeah, because at least we know it's not going to be Michael Myers because he's like standing in the back just looking at us this whole time. So, All right, go take a break, buddy. (laughs) Settle down. Okay, let's see who else we're going to talk to. I'm excited to see who this is going to be. Who is that looking at us through the mirror of realities from the universe of the movie Halloween? Hey, it's uh, Ben Tramer. Oh, right. Ben Tramer. Lori's friend tried to set you two up, right? Yeah, Lori and I were going to go out, but then Michael Myers came along and killed our friends. Since then, he's been hunting Lori, but what about me, huh? What do you mean, what about you? Doesn't feel good to be left out. Uh, hold on. Are you saying you wanted Michael Myers to come after you, too? I know it sounds crazy, but how would you feel if this big, huge thing happened to your friends and you weren't a part of it? In this case, that'd be good, since they were part of a mass killing. You ever work in an office? Ever have your coworkers go out to eat at that burger place Islands without asking you to come? It hurts not to be included. I mean, I do get what you mean, even if it's like a bad outing. It feels weird when all your friends come back talking about that bad outing. Right? Sometimes even the bad times pull friends closer together. Except this time, that bad time left everyone dead. (sighs) I guess I wouldn't be so upset if this didn't keep happening to me. You know, my fantasy football league just forgot to tell me when we were doing our snake draft. I wouldn't have even known they had one if I didn't see the blood-splattered whiteboard listing the best players still available on the news report about their murder by Michael Myers. And you know how I told you about my coworkers who got killed at Islands by Michael Myers? I mean, you told us you got left out at Islands, not that they all died. So we hired a new group of co-workers to replace them. You'd think they'd want to hang out with the longest tenured surviving employee, right? Well, they didn't. They started a group chat, which I am not on. I'm sorry, I know that hurts. Why couldn't I be on the group chat, huh? Maybe I'd have brought something to the group, you know? Little joke here, wry observation about life there. Maybe I would have brightened their day. Well, guess we'll never know since they were all killed by Michael Myers. Ben, this is happening to you a lot. Do you ever think that maybe Michael Myers is, like, afraid of you? That maybe there's, like, something about you that's keeping him from stalking you like he does everybody else? I did wonder once if maybe there was something special about me, something that repels off evil. But then Michael Myers came to my birthday party at Buffalo Wild Wings and killed everyone, and he for sure thought I would be there. Wait, you didn't go to your own birthday party? 
All my friends said there was a UFC fight and B-dubs was too full. They promised we'd hang out soon, that we'd do something for my birthday, that they were not just trying to avoid me. But they still had the party. They ate wings and pounded brews and wore party hats. It wasn't any of their birthdays. H how do you know they still had the party if you weren't there? I found out at their funeral. They put up big pictures at the funeral of the last fun time they had together, and I wasn't there. Well, at least you got invited to the funeral. I was the only one there. I'm the last one left. I'm so lonely. Unless, do you want to hang out? We do, but we're busy. Yep, we uh, have to go. Sorry, Ben. Roxy, if we had hung out with that man, I am confident we would have been killed by Michael Myers. I'm pretty sure, too. I, I don't know why. It's just uh, maybe everyone in his orbit just looks super tasty for killing. I'm not sure what his deal is, but that's I don't want thing. any part of it. I'm that's the thing. Ben Tramer feels like a cool guy to hang out with. I would have had a fun time with him, I think, but Does he can't know? risk it. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, went, everyone he knows went out of their way to not hang out with him. That, hey, that's a great point. I think they might know something we don't know. <laughs> They're all dead, we can't ask. Oh god, here he is. Congratulations, your souls are safe for another week. For next week, in order to be polite to your guest host, Michael Myers, who will obviously still be here with you in the scary basement, you must watch the... Um, uh, one, two, um, um, six, seven... Seventh film in the Halloween franchise, Halloween Age 2, Ode, directed by Steve Miner and starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Josh Hartnett, and Adam Arkin. If you do not, your souls will be forfeit and I shall claim your bodies as my own. Guest host, Michael Myers, are you going to be here for the rest of the month? Uh, just say yes or no, dude. It's his month, so I guess that's a yes. Oh, I think he's nodding. I think that's nodding, or maybe he's breathing really heavy. I don't know. I think he's going to be here I'm for not, the rest of the month. I'm not a fan of him. I mean, <laughs> he does do a lot Roxy, of kills. <laughs> I hate him. Maybe don't say that when he's within earshot. Do you want to die? He needs to hear. Because here's the thing. I hate people who are not interesting. Because I'm afraid that I'm not interesting. And like every Republican who rallies against gay marriage and always gets caught in a Minneapolis bathroom getting blown by another man, I hate the thing within myself that I am most afraid of. So yeah, Michael Myers, we got beef. I don't even know how to respond to that. You know, also you guys have the exact same name, Michael and Michael. So, um, yeah. you know... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can try doing the podcast next week with uh, just Michael Myers instead. Yeah, you go ahead and try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see how that goes. Hey, Michael Myers, what was the scariest thing that happened to you this week? <laughs> That's what he'll do. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking at you. You're making fun of him and he's looking at you. He's impotent. You're tempting fate. He can still kill you down here. Maybe he'll revive. We don't know. I don't want to tempt it. We don't know the properties down here. Anyway, we're watching I... Halloween H2O <laughs> next week. Michael Myers it's will be me. here just supervising, I guess, since he doesn't really want to join in on the conversation. Uh, how about we make a bet for H2O? It. I would love to make a bet. And you know what? Halloween movies always 
good for a kill count. Let's just do a kill count. Yeah, okay. Let's do, yeah, yeah. Roxy, how many people do you think are going to get killed in Halloween H2O? Ooh, okay. It's like a 90s bloodbath movie. So I'm going to go with nine. That seems like a pretty good number. I agree. I feel like as these movies go on, more and more people die. I'm going to say 11. 11 people are going to die. I think there's going to be like a party scene where like four or five people just get bam, 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 taken out. I would not be surprised if that indeed happens. It's going to be tight. (laughs) The pact is sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. Whoever is closest to the kill count shall be declared the winner. The loser shall labor to create a definitive family tree of both the Strode and Myers families that accounts for all of the films that makes even a remote modicum of logical sense. Roxy, let's end the episode, as we do every week, with a little spot of sunshine. What's making you happy this week? Uh, the thing that's making me happy this week is a uh, illustration anthology zine I was a part of just uh, shipped and arrived. So I got to see my work in print, and I designed like an enamel pin, which was super cool to see, and I got to see everybody else's work. So that was, that was really cool, seeing months of work show up completed at my house. What about that you, Mikey? That is awesome. Uh, yeah, what's making me happy this week? Roxy. Mikey. This is maybe dating the episode a little bit. <laughs> a new trailer launched for Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, okay. It's definitely going to date it. Yep. <laughs> Good God is there are a lot of villains in this Spider-Man movie, and that makes me very excited. I love the Green Goblin. I love Dr. Octopus. I love... The Sandman, I love Electro. It's going to be very silly that Spider-Man is going to travel to different realities and fight different villains. I just like movies that are just full of weird decisions that I feel like this movie is full of. Like, the fact that a different Spider-Man's Dr. Octopus is going to come fight this new Spider-Man is very weird to me. Wait, so so it won't be the guy from, like, the Sam Raimi one? Right, no, it Spider-Man is the guy from the Sam Raimi one. Oh, okay, cool. But he's but this is not the Sam Raimi Spider Man. So it's like it is literally so no Tobey Maguire Spider Man. It's not like into the Spider Verse where different Spider Mans are meeting as well. It's just the villains coming to like. Uh, is it Tom Holland? They Spider-Man? haven't revealed whether or not it's the Tom Holland Spider Man is going to okay. be fighting the Sam Raimi Doctor Octopus. Is what okay. we know so far. Presumably, right. Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are going to come in later and be oh like my God. the trio of Spider Mans fighting all tons of spider-man villains from different movies it just seems like such a strange choice it's just so wild i'm so excited about it i mean like into the spider-verse show that it could work but i think that movie had a lot more going on for it despite that so this will be interesting to see what they do with live action kind of interpretation of some of that no i'm excited Roxy, each week the demon bot hires a new monster to guard the basement door to keep us from escaping and yet each week we still escape this week, so far. the guardsman of the basement is an unknown monster, but I'll tell you what, this is the first week that I come prepared. But it's unknown. Okay, keep We going. don't know what the monster is. <laughs> all right. But I am all kinds of armored up. Okay. I have for us full body Kevlar, tactical riot shields, a okay. full face helmet, uh-huh. elbow pads, uh-huh. sawed off shotguns for uh-huh. the both of us. Okay, good. I was going to ask. And crates of ammo. Two okay. swords, three guns with laser pointers, grenades, steel Useful. gauntlets, uh-huh. and two portable rocket launchers. Roxy, whatever monster is outside the scary basement, we are ready for them. Wait, ready wait to get did, out of here? Did, did you bring some holy water and salt, Mikey? 
No. <laughs> okay. Whatever I'm sure is, that won't come back, back to bite me. Okay, the rocket launcher. I, I'll pick it up. Here we go. All right. Here we go. I'll open up the basement door. And- <sighs> Roxy, there's just one zombie up here. Oh, my God, Mikey. Well, he's just you, one zombie. He's, you have a regular handgun? He's very slow. Okay. We don't even need to... We can just walk past him, actually. Yeah, we can just go around him. Okay. All right, well, I'll see you later, Roxy. Okay. Bye, Mikey. Yeah, have a good night. Take care of yourself. You too. Thanks. See ya. Bye.